0: look at where they're spending their time and where they're spending their money.
1: Spoken by a smart entrepreneur who keeps succeeding. A lot of you are entrepreneurs in search of a niche. Listen to our guest today and get some advice. Today is episode two of our season of entrepreneurship, and we're going to get to explore how an active Instagram community inspired our guests to start a thriving e-commerce business. And then another, and then another one. You know what inspires me? You, the listeners. Let's do this. Welcome to Objects with Shapiro. I'm your host, John Joaquim. I'm the head of partnerships at Shapiro, and today is our most objectified objects episode ever. We're talking about the EDC community. EDC stands for everyday carry, which sounds a whole lot like something to do with the Second Amendment. But I assure you, Say has nothing to do with guns. EDC is an online community that loves things. All of the items that people carry in their pockets, from pens, watches, pocket knives, fidget spinners, keychains, lighters, and any other cool thing you might find in an old cigar box in your grandparents' garage. The thing I love about EDC community is that it brings value to throwaway objects. How could we, at a show called Objects, not want to cover this? I'd like you to meet Yang Su Chung. He's the founder of three active companies right now. Urban EDC Supply, a thriving e-commerce shop for all things EDC, GrowthJet, a climate-neutral 3PL, and an e-commerce brand accelerator. And finally, because obviously he had so much time on his hands, spotted by Humphrey. A boutique pet supply store he runs with his wife and was founded basically because their French bulldog, called Humphrey, is so cute and has his own active Instagram following. He's an influencer. That thing about Instagram is going to be a very important theme in today's episode. Yong-Soo was a Wall Street analyst. He took night classes in coding so he could start his own tech company on the West Coast. In his spare time, he would scroll through EDC community on Instagram.
0: Just a really, really large and passionate community That's Yong-Soo. You're
1: going to hear from him in a minute. He was immersed in an endless stream of EDC pocket dump posts when he started to test-sell EDC objects in that same community. How did he do it? Was it even hard? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I muted this. Wait a minute. I know this ringtone. There's only one person who gets this ringtone. Maria? I'm recording the episode. I'm supposed to call you. What's up?
2: Hey, John. Sorry.
1: To our new guests, Maria's my dial-a-friend product expert who I can call during episodes to help me make sense of the objects our guests build this season. I'm supposed to call her, but for some reason, she couldn't wait. I'm going to find out why.
2: I heard you mention climate-neutral, Trippio, and I couldn't wait.
1: Seriously? Oh, right. You're deep into this topic.
2: Yes. As you know, I founded Footprint Forward to help companies reduce their carbon footprint and create energy-efficient systems, reduce waste— and design sustainable products, I also connect them with other environmentally conscious industry partners like 3PLs. So if a product development company wants to make an eco-friendly product or they want to become more sustainable and they don't know how, Footprint Forward is the right partner to get them there.
1: Okay. All right. That makes sense. I totally get why you wanted to call. Is there something about shipping and logistics and the environment you wanted to talk about specifically? I can ask sue some questions about it in the interview.
2: Yes. Most people think that being sustainable means measuring your carbon emissions and then paying a company to plant trees that compensate for that emission. But there is so much more than that. It's just the same as if messy people said that they are organized because they hire a cleaning crew that picks up their mess (laughs) instead of actually being organized and not making the mess in the first place. (laughs) Does that make any sense?
1: All right. All right. That makes sense.
2: When it comes to third-party logistic companies, there are many things that can be done in transportation, packaging, and warehouse to reduce the impact on the environment. For example, in transportation, you can deploy bigger capacity vehicles or work with your customers to reduce the packaging size to transport more goods per tank of fuel. You can also use greener fuels for your transportation vehicles, shorten or make your routes more efficient. Some companies even relocate their inventory just to make it more efficient. Anyway, I get so excited about this topic that I can speak all day about it. So I'm going to let you keep going with your interview because I am dying to hear the cool things that they are doing at Growjet.
1: Oh, that's fascinating. I'll definitely bring that up in our chat. Thank you, Maria, even though you messed up the whole operation by calling me first. Okay, so now I feel super prepared to talk to Yang soo I even got a tape of him explaining a bunch of these things I can play right now. He can tell us how he founded these companies, what he's working on next, and most importantly, he can explain what the heck a pocket dump is. Yang soo the mic is yours.
0: I'm Yang soo Chung and I'm the founder of Urban EDC Supply which is a boutique everyday carry shop. I also founded GrowthJet, which is a climate-neutral, committed 3PL, and also essentially a brand accelerator, e-commerce brand accelerator. And Spotted by Humphrey is a company that my wife and I run together. So at the time, there was a pretty strong community on Instagram. So what people were doing were they would take a photo of what they're carrying on, on a daily basis. So it's called like a pocket dump, and so you take out all the stuff that you have in your pockets, and then you kind of position it in like a nice way for a photo, and then they would take the photo and upload it, and then people would be asking, "Oh, who's made, who made that pen, or where is that watch from?" You know, and this kind of thing. So that's where the conversation started. So the community was, I know it was a, a Reddit community as well, but I wasn't really in that. But yeah, the Instagram was where, where there was a lot of conversations happening. And it wasn't really like as strong as it is now, where it's like pretty well defined now. But back then, it was just more, I guess, a little more like more of a hobby thing where people would be like, "Oh, here's my EDC for the day," and then just take a photo. Initially, I, I wanted to do something kind of as a side project while working as a you know full time employee. And so, starting around July August, I started the urban EDC. Instagram account, and I was trying to gain a lot of, um, I guess, his followers and and just kind of grow the community. So that's what I was doing since July, August. Then during that time, so I was posting consistently, and you know, I was just kind of essentially, I was actually showcasing other people's gear and I was giving them credit. And then I was like tagging all the makers that were on that photo. So actually, it was a lot of research for me, but it was good because I was able to learn about the market and the community. So while I was doing this, you know, I was setting up the shop, and I guess it was just kind of more organic. Like I was, you know, I was buying things here and there. So there wasn't one moment where I went on Amazon and I bought a whole bunch of stuff. It was just more like, you know, I, I was just trying to get a sense of what people were purchasing based off of the, the pocket dump photos that I was seeing on Instagram, and then essentially just buying a little bit here and there, and then. You know, not not much, I'd say five, ten units. And so I, I, I put up a site um, in October and I mean it was like, you know, there's nothing, it was like crickets. And so that was again, that was a little bit disheartening, but you know, you gotta keep keep moving forward. Um, and so from then on, you know, we were we just kind of kept going and, and we based off of feedback. I mean, one of the Earliest pieces of feedback from our, our customer, one of our customers said, "You know, it's an EDC shop. You have to have pocket knives, like everyday carry is the pocket knife is like, you, like you, we need to have it on there." So that's kind of actually when I started. So I actually launched with no with no knives on there, but then it kind of today it's our best selling category. So we actually do our own production runs now of knives. So it's obviously changed a lot since, but yeah, it was just more of a consistent. Buying and then we launched it with probably eight to ten items in the shop, crickets, and we'd start you know building very very slowly, and then based off of feedback from customers, and then it you know it's evolved into what it is today. When I launched, I was using a 3PL, and I did a lot of research, and after many days of research, I found the best one that you know highest rated 3PL shop locally based in the Bay Area, and so I went with them. And then it was just really, really a disaster. I mean, they would lose inventory. I lost close to $5,000 worth of inventory due to negligence of the fulfillment staff. My colleague, you know, he started his knife company and it was starting to grow really quickly. He said, Hey, who's doing your fulfillment? Because my fulfillment shop is just really, really tough. And so what's funny is he was actually using the same fulfillment partner that I had been using. So we're like, All right, well, you know, we kind of did him a favor and say, All right, well, we're going to be, You know, you'll kind of be our one client for now. Um, We'll see how this goes, and then yeah, it just grew from there. So this is in 2019, and then 2020 we started getting you know more and more interest because a lot of other people were having issues, and the biggest issue was really communication. So you know, if you had to change an order, and you sent an email, you would get a ticket. 72 hours later, you would maybe get a response, or you can make a phone call, and your voicemail box is full, so you can't even leave a message, and so. There's a lot of that. And then obviously huge lack of accountability. So if something does go wrong, they just say, Oh, that's too bad. We don't know what to do. And it just kind of like, yeah. And, And so that was originally why, you know, I wanted to start Growth Jet because I just felt like it could be done a lot better with more transparency, better accountability, more communication. And so that was kind of like what started it. But then during this time, what I realized was that the industry was so wasteful that I just realized that we needed to do something about it. And that's when this environmental angle came in where we we work with climate neutral organization to offset our 2020 carbon footprint. And then we're actually going to be um, partnering up with another company to plant trees. So we'll, we'll actually be a carbon negative company, which means that we're... Literally, when we ship out items, we will be doing more good for the environment than bad. So I guess the initial beginning of GrowthJet was, all right, this is like, we're all having terrible experiences. Let's find out why and then change that up, right? That was the initial kind of like, why we wanted to get into the business. And then the second part was, this fulfillment industry is so bad for the the environment. We got to do something about this. And so this whole climate neutral angle just you know, it just came in really naturally. And, you know, obviously 2020 was a really tough year and all we had all those wildfires and stuff. And we had already committed to becoming climate neutral. And so it was just kind of like, all right, like this is just the universe telling us we're doing, you know, we're, we're on the right path here because it seems like now every single company has a sustainability program while we were already kind of planning on it from the onset, right?
1: Wow, this is an active entrepreneur. I love how he built up on his early successes and how he capitalized on his momentum and started to grow horizontally. Hearing his monologue made me want to ask some follow-up questions. So I did. How big was Urban EDC when you started working with the 3PL?
0: Yeah, so we actually started with a 3PL right from the get-go, from the beginning. And the whole idea at that time was for us to... Think about scaling from day one. And so, you know, I was working out of a one bedroom apartment in San Francisco. And you
1: didn't have room to ship out of your one bedroom apartment? Come on.
0: I mean, it was getting really kind of crazy with all the boxes. And yeah, it got pretty crazy. So we decided to work with a 3PL after doing a lot of research. I wanted somebody that was local so that I could drop off inventory pretty quickly for the turnaround time. And then also it gave me an opportunity to go check out their operations and make sure that kind of like keep tabs on them a little bit. And so I did a lot of research and actually found the highest rated one on Shopify apps, like the reviews. And so I decided to go with them right from day one of launching Urban EC.
1: That's um unique. I will say it's not typical from what we see. So you said you were pushing to work with the 3PL first for growth, um, because you know you're working out of a one-bedroom apartment. Why not get a two-bedroom apartment and ship ship from home and save some money, and then maybe one day work with the 3PL? What pushed you to just say, you know what, this is a risk I'm going to take. It's going to cost me more money, but I want to grow, so I'm going to go with 3PL. Like, what pushed you to do that?
0: Right. So actually, I. I don't think it would have been cheaper to like get a, a larger place. I actually think it, it's cheaper to do San Francisco, right? You said <laughs> go with the option that we did. Yeah. yeah, Well, yeah, exactly. San Francisco is different. I guess if you're like you know anywhere else, it, it would yeah. maybe it would make more sense. But land, I mean, obviously, real estate here is very expensive, and so we, yeah, I just thought that it was the better option at the time to just go. Immediately with the 3PL from the get go, rather than, I mean, we, I mean, I guess we could have, but you're right. I, I, you know, now that I think about it, a lot of the, you know, obviously the partners that we're onboarding for this um, for GrowthJ, which is the uh, the new 3PL company, a lot of them come from self. You know, they're doing their own fulfillment and then they trans- transition over. The 3PL that you were working with, yep. how quickly
1: did that? experience hour? Like when did things start going downhill? You said they're right up the street from you. So that was convenient. Things should have been perfect, right?
0: Yeah. So we started seeing some warning signs probably a year in. And it started off with just orders not being able to ship out because of like missing inventory. And then it that kind of quickly ballooned. So it was like this. It wasn't like one here and there is fine. Because it probably means that there was like a miscount or something, but it became problematic. Like it was like exponential problematic, and so we decided to do a full count on all of our inventory, and we found that close to five thousand dollars worth of uh, inventory was missing. Wow, right? that's so, that's a
1: lot. That's a lot for a growing brand.
0: Yeah, no. When we first started, I mean, that's that's a lot. Was that five thousand at cost? I think it was like um, close closer to three thousand at cost, but there were sales that we we couldn't capture, like we had to refund customers right because we didn't. Oh, because have,
1: you got the order and you
0: couldn't fulfill we it. Got the order in. Yeah, we couldn't fulfill it.
1: That must have been frustrating. So, <laughs> That's the last thing you want to worry about. Yeah. So what did you do about that? Did you just switch to a different three PL, or is that when you started GrowthJet?
0: Well, so first I wanted to kind of see what the, what the problem was. So I actually like you know went down to the warehouse to the 3PL and I just kind of audited the process on my own and I realized that it it's it was very messy and it was kind of like this locker room that they had so really the problem was was theft so to try to resolve it what they did was they actually got some fake cameras and installed it so they weren't working it was just kind of like deter theft yeah and then they also got this locker where the locker is closed, but then in the locker is like, is such a mess. Like, there was no organizational structure to how items were put in there. And so, of course, like, how can you find like this little like lighter out of this locker where you, it's like a, you know, it opens up and there's like five different levels to it. And so, yeah, when I saw that, and then also there was one instance where we had a customer that, told us that sent us photos. It's like, hey, my shipment came. I opened the box and there's nothing inside. And I was like, that's really weird. So I like tracked everything down and it turns out that the shipper that was on duty at that time, his last day was the day that this knife was shipped out. And so what had happened was he actually opened the box, took the knife out, and this is a $600 knife, right? So it's not cheap. Oh my goodness. And then shipped an empty box to my customer in Alaska, and so I mean when I when I saw that, and so I actually brought this up with the warehouse manager at the time that I you know my my contact, and he initially his initial reaction was there's no way like I know the guy like he's fine, and then I was like all right well well you know let's let's see so he messaged him, and he was supposed to come in the next day to collect his final paycheck, but he never came in, okay. so. Clearly, you know there's something there, and the worst part about all this is that the warehouse they didn't take ownership or they were not accountable for it. So, you know, I just ended up losing that that sale and the product.
1: That's crazy. So, I think in your uh, next life, when you're you know done having brands and three PL, you need to be a detective because that was uh, impressive.
0: Yeah, no, no I uh, I'm, I'm very detail oriented. So you can kind of get a sense of like, I look into every little thing that I can to try to really see what the root cause of the the, the error is, right? So yeah. But yeah, So after that, I mean, I was like, all right, this is kind of the last draw.
1: People think of the film and they think shipping. Like, can you ship my products when my orders come in? Like, yeah, most people can do that for the most part if you're organized. But you need to be able to trust them to store your product. You need to know that the stuff you send them is not going to walk away. It should be a given.
0: Exactly. It, it should yeah. be so. Yeah. I mean, it was. And remember, this is the three PL that I decided on after doing a lot of research, and they had the best reviews. And then, you know, what I was thinking was, okay, this is the three PL that had the best reviews, and this is the level, the level, the standard that they're working with. I was just like, you know, it like, it's like this crazy. Like, it's such a low bar. And everyone is like, there's such high ratings or you know, high re- good reviews. And I'm like, okay, there's got to be a, g- a better method of doing this, right? So that's kind of how GrowthJet came about. Uh, so you
1: took off your detective hat and you put on your, your entrepreneur hat and said, a, you know, maybe there's a different way to do this.
0: Yeah, basically. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about GrowthJet since we're there. Where did your environmental and climate focus come from?
0: When we started GrowthJet, it was actually not even GrowthJet at the time. We just put everything, all the fulfillment stuff, in house. So actually, right around this time is when we brought home a French bulldog. So my my wife and I brought home a French bulldog, and his Instagram. You know, we were we were just having fun with his Instagram and posting, you know, cute videos and photos, and other people started following because they also thought it was funny and yeah, and so. His Instagram account kind of started to grow, and we were able to, you know, we were getting this like good community of other Frenchie owners and other dog owners, I should say, and we wanted to kind of uh, do so, something similar to what we did with RBC with, you know, serving the everyday carry community with the dog community, and so my wife she started a shop called Spotted by Humphrey, and that's a dog boutique, and uh, we really wanted to. You know, bring the community together, and a lot of the the online dog shops at the time, you know, it felt very. Um, there was not a, lo- a lot of fun element to it, and so we wanted to kind of do it differently and make sure that the entire experience is fun. You know, we would bring guests on for, um, you know, for interviews and and post that on the on the website, and so this whole thing about with the community thing, we kind of applied that to the dog world, and so we started Spotted by Humphrey in um, 2018, and so. What's great is like, you know, when we brought the fulfillment in-house, we were able to do both Urban EDC and Spotted by Humphrey utilizing the same resources. Yeah. And so that's when we got the idea, okay, like, you know, we can do both of these brands kind of using the same resources. You know, let's let's do that for now, because obviously we had such a mess, messy experience with the other three PL. And so we were doing that and then a lot of our colleagues started asking us, hey, who's doing your fulfillment, who's doing your product photography? Because I'm, you know, they're having very bad experiences as well with their three PL. And so that's kind of how we actually started GrowthJet is we weren't even going to open it up to other clients, but they were just asking it, who's doing it? Because I'm I'm having a terrible time with my 3PL. And they're
1: just and begging so- for help.
0: Yeah, and we took on a few clients kind of privately, so we weren't even growth jet at the time. And so we didn't even have a name actually, a company name at the time, but we took in some private clients and we just shipped for them. And it was very, you know, obviously very simple. And then right around the time is when we realized um, with fulfillment the level of like waste that came it's through It's
1: disgusting, isn't it?
0: It is. So that's when we Decided to kind of uh, double down on this uh, environmental aspect to it. So I mentioned that we we like to serve the communities. So the Airbnb needs community is um, is everyday carry, and then the dog community is for Spotify by Humphrey. I felt like Growth Jets kind of like cause could be something around the environment and uh, and the, the climate. So that was kind of like because I, I really like having a uh, you know a cause behind each kind of each community that we're serving. And so, I felt like that was a really justifiable c- cause because of it's such a big issue in the industry. And so that that was kind of like established from early on. And then what's funny is you know obviously last year twenty twenty there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened, and um, there was what stuff?
1: It was a normal <laughs> year. What are you talking yeah.
0: about? Yeah, no, we, there's a lot of these also California fires that happened around the time. Yes, but We had that one day where it was like, you know, it was like red, dark, dark red sky in, in San Francisco. And um, that was like, we we was literally like raining ashes. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was kind of crazy. It's,
1: so. it's one thing for the rest of the country to be able to look at it and be like, that's terrible. And then, you know, we don't have to hear it anymore. But when you're looking at, you know, a climate impact in the face, like you were every day, I could see how, you know, you want to live and breathe and do everything you can to do something about it especially when it's your business right when it's your business that has all this extra trash and you know you have these trucks coming in and out of your warehouse now and and you're looking around and you see a dark red sky it's like why wouldn't you ask what can i do to stop this exactly
0: and so we really that was kind of like a sign from the universe like all right we're on the right path here like you know i'm sure more and more people will also get behind this cause that we We've um, set, and so that was like a you know a strong affirmation. Like, all right, we're we're on the right path. This is the right cause that we're you know we're supposed to be fighting for. So it all kind of just kind of lined up last year. So yeah, that was kind of the, the, the environmental impact. Um, we knew that was important, and we wanted to tackle it. So yeah, we recently got climate neutral certified. So we offset all of our carbon footprint for 2020.
1: That's amazing. And
0: I believe we're actually the first. 3PL in America to do that. So yeah, we want to be a pioneer and, and be on the forefront of ability. And so we actually also work with a lot of our partners in packaging. So there's a lot of creative packaging solutions that are coming out now that are more environmentally friendly. And so that's something that we're also looking into. So there's there's a lot going on.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Did it
0: ever occur to you
1: that when your 3PL was losing orders or you had... Orders going out to customers that didn't have any product in it, what the carbon impact of that was? Because it's one thing, you know, one thing you can't stop is there will be a carbon impact from the product leaving your warehouse and and then right. up at your customer's door. Whether you offset it or not is is the question. But when you're shipping someone an empty box, the product isn't in it. That must twist like a knife inside of you because I mean, right. it goes against everything that you were. That you believe in it, or as it sounds, at least.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. That was something that. I mean that's yeah exactly. So the cl- climate stuff was obviously it was in my you know it was in my mind back then when I was with the three PL, but it wasn't as. Cause I just didn't see the like the, the waste because I was just kind of visiting in and out yeah. and
1: until you were off. doing it until it all showed up at your warehouse and it was like what is this.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we, we do our, our best to do, you know, obviously we have waste, but then anything we can reuse, we we, we reuse. And so, you know, even boxes that come in that are clean and unbranded, if we can reuse it, we will reuse it. And so packaging materials are all reused. I mean, we, we do our best to really reuse as much as we can and throw away very little um, as possible.
1: That's really so. interesting. How do your brands... I mean, obviously you... The company is is put forward as as like a environmentally conscious company. How do the brands react to reusing packaging and stuff like that to ship? A, usually, like an unboxing experience is very important to a company. In my experience, though, customers don't care what the shipper looks like as long as the product inside is pretty. But how do how do the brands feel about you reusing packaging and stuff to not just curb you know environmental stuff? I'm sure there's
0: some cost savings involved there too. Yep, so we're very conscious about partners that we bring in. So all the partners know that we are, you know, we're focused on the environment. So, you know, in a perfect world, every partner that we bring in knows that the environmental impact, you know, we're not going to be the cheapest option, like, and we don't want to be the cheapest option. You know, we, there's a lot of other things that we do on top of the environment that we think is a better solution to the full 3PL experience. But yeah, so we don't want to compete on price, and so and a lot of the partners that we bring on, they know that they know that it's more expensive to, and they're used to it too. They're buying packaging that's more sustainable, which is more expensive than you know kind of the plastic stuff that is cheaper. Mm -hmm. And so they're already committed to doing that, and they know that it's going to be more expensive to ship through us, where we're kind of you know we're climate neutral certified, right? So a lot of the brands that we bring on know that and typically uh, understand that as well and so that's been important is like we're not going for a land grab like get every single brand out there using us like that's not our model and I don't think that's what we want either because you know obviously there are brands out there that honestly don't care about the environment they, they only care about profitability and revenue right and we we are not going to be that, that company so we don't want to go after those companies because it's like it's kind of like choosing your friends right it's like yeah If you have certain values and you meet someone and their values are completely different than yours and you're like almost arguing about it, then like why do you want to have that person as as a friend, right?
1: They won't see the value add that your company brings because they won't understand, you know, the the cost that's involved with being, you know, carbon neutral, environmentally focused and things like that. They won't see the, the value in that.
0: Exactly. So we want to partner up with the right clients that understand the long-term impact of what we're trying to do. And so when we, you know, obviously when we work with them on the packaging too, we know how important branding is. So we're not going, you know, we're not going to just reuse boxes just for the sake of doing that. It's more about like, you know, obviously we're going to use the packaging that they want us to use and so they can they can provide us with packaging that's Compostable, or you know, like just more sustainable packaging, Um, and then we'll we'll make sure that it goes out just the way they want it. Right? For reusing boxes, a lot of times the the brands will actually allow us to use when we ship out to you know dealers or like you know it's more business to business. The presentation doesn't have to be as nice.
1: Yes, of course. That's
0: when we can kind of reuse the boxes, and then also we reuse the boxes for kind of our, our bin locations.
2: So, Very smart
1: because they don't last forever. Those bins, eventually, yeah, exactly. if you're doing business and you're picking and packing, the the bins don't last forever. So it's it's good that you can reuse boxes for that.
0: Yeah, so we we, we try to be creative about how we, we use anything that comes through our warehouses. We we try to make some use of it. So even even the pallets that we get, you know, we we used to um, stack them all up, and and, and it's basically we, we found somebody that will come and. They will actually repair the pallets and resell them for reuse, and so oh, that's awesome. We really think about this as an entire ecosystem. So whatever comes into the doors into our warehouse, like we have to figure out a, a responsible way of of doing something with it, right? So I mean, it could just be it could just be trash, right? It could be, but we're trying to find creative ways to not create more waste, but really. Help the ecosystem. It's all about you know sustainability. So even the you know the the people that come pick up our pallets, it's a father and son team. They have a truck that come, they pick up all the pallets, they fix it up, and they resell it to another pallet company. That you know, so, so this whole thing is like we want to make sure that we take care of that that ecosystem. Um, everybody kind of plays a role, right? So.
1: If you need an amazing EDC knife for your pocket dump, you can get your thing at UrbanEDCsupply.com. UrbanEDCsupply.com. If you're a startup looking for an environmentally friendly 3PL, look no further than growthjet.com. And all of you pet owners out there in search of a surprising Halloween costume for your dog or other beautiful gear, spottedbyhumphrey.com is the place to go. And with that, we close out our second episode. Thank you to Maria Level for being my product designer, Dial-A-Friend. Maria, I totally forgive you for calling me this time. I wanna remind you to please keep your phone on for the next episode because I am calling you. Our next object is very interesting. Objects is a Ship Hero product produced by Matt Schmiel. Theme music by Yeti Music. If you have an object you want us to profile, send a note to me, your host, John Joaquin, to pitch at shiphero.com. I promise to read every pitch that comes in. We're always on the lookout for a new object to cover. To get more info and episode details and more links to the stuff that we talk about, visit shiphero.com slash objects. Until next episode, take care, be safe, and stay curious.